you really have to make sure that the vibe is working for that artist. Make yeah. them unique, make them special. In many cases, the thing that makes the artist special is their voice. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need to throw in a bunch of stuff to make the music special. You just let the artist be the artist. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a trap that I get caught in all the time as a producer. You're listening to For The Record, conversations about music, mixing, and the creative industry. Our guest today is Nathaniel Dolsky. Nathaniel is a producer and mix engineer from the Chicago suburbs. He has worked in a collection of studios around his hometown. Hello, Nathaniel. How's hi, it going? Hi, Jeremiah. It's, oh, good. it's going good. I am glad that you're here. I'm glad I'm here, too. It's been like two months, three months since I've been here. So Truthfully, yeah. I mean, we... I haven't gotten to hang out as much as I wish we could. Um, so, Nathaniel, we go not super far back, but we go a ways back. Um, but the people listening have not gotten to know you they, the way they, I have. They have so, not gone back. No, they've not gone back. And so I'd love for you to just tell a little bit about who you are and um, the things that you enjoy to do. Um, yeah, okay. Um, well, who I am. So I'm... Uh, mixing engineer slash producer that's pretty much grown up in this area uh, for my entire life in the Chicagoland area. Um, and I started music when I was pretty young. Um, I did, I started on like guitar mm -hmm. and I uh, really enjoyed that. And then I wanted to create my own music. So naturally, you know, you find out about digital audio workstations and all of that sort of stuff and microphones and yeah uh, that propelled me into my high school career my college career uh, which was all music based um, got a degree in music business which I have not used to this point yeah uh, but you know you do what you got to do uh, and the music business degree at my college uh, just so happened to also be the one with the producer track so uh, that's what I did Learned how to mix, uh, did front of house for a while at, at quite a few churches in the area, mm -hmm. um, and now I'm an independent contractor uh, in the studio and in live situations for uh, religious, non-religious, and studio events. Right. So you just do all the things. I try to do all the things. Yes. Yeah. And now, now I work at uh, now I work full time at a church. Uh, managing the production equipment as their systems engineer. So I've moved slightly away from music in the past few months, but it's still something that I do as a hobby and as a passion and, and yeah. something that I uh, I still try to find time for my clients for you right. know, on my days off. And, well, and I think that that is something that a lot of musicians have to do, right? The yeah. music is their passion. It's what they want to do. And... Yet the reality is it's hard to sustain your life while doing that. And so usually right. it has to be a side gig. Um, I think mm -hmm. that's a common thing. Yeah, I think that uh, if I had the choice uh, to like, if I, if I knew that I was going to have stability in, in this sort of role, I would I'd love to pursue it. But yeah, I think you're right. Like for many people, it's, uh, it's definitely just something that we get to do as a fun hobby or uh, have a little side job. And I think that 
that's totally fine. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about how you got into like the music industry in general, but I'd love to hear just a little more specifics on like um, that transition, especially in like in high school um, mm -hmm. where uh, you made that switch from this is something I enjoy doing on the side to this is something I want to like move my life towards and go in that direction. Yeah. Um, so like I was I was a heavy metal kid. Like I just loved metal. And so I started out as a player before I, you know, moved on to the engineer, the technical side. And so as an electric guitar player, like I loved creating, you know, awesome tones. I loved... Uh, copying my favorite bands, but there was kind of a point where that gets boring, especially since I didn't have a whole lot of musical friends growing up. Um, it's not the funnest thing ever to play by yourself uh, over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. So that is what kind of turned into like, oh, I need to figure out how to record myself because if I don't learn to record myself, I'm just going to burn out. Mm. Um, and so making music was the next logical progression for me. Um, and so my sister was actually the first person to get a DAW or a digital audio workstation um, because she was doing animation. Mm -hmm. And then I stole it from her because she wasn't using it because she gave up on that for a little while. And now she's back into animation. Uh, but I took over the DAW. And so I wrote heavy metal in an EDM producer DAW. Uh, which was FL Studio, which was super fun and not intuitive at all. But <laughs> did yeah. you did you did you like ever try to put the the EDM elements into the heavy metal? Because that would be kind of dope. Um, yeah. So there was my first ever record that never made it on a Spotify or you know any streaming platforms was called um, Capsule. Um, C A P S U L, I believe. Um, and that is on Bandcamp. That was kind of like, it was kind of like a heavy metal that didn't have, it didn't have vocals, um, but it was just like an amalgamation of just like all the random stuff that I thought of. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time I was listening to like Chan, which is like a super technical guitar band. And um, I was listening to like Animals as Leaders and all these like crazy heavy metal bands that did all this weird technical techno stuff in the middle of their metal. Yeah. And so I have elements of that in there. Um, once I started producing my own metal, I kind of did away with that. I wanted to just have something simple, which was, you know, like I wanted to do like two guitars panned, a bass, vocals, and then like filler, lead electric, lead piano, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what my music now reflects is it's very sort of straightforward in nature. Um, the production is is more simple, but it I try and just let the instruments that are playing just shine mm -hmm. rather than filling it up with random stuff. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like when I look back on the music that <clears throat> that I first produced when I was learning, um, I had this misconception about what I had to do to produce music, and it was this, like, more is better, mm -hmm. right? And it was, like, if having two guitars is this awesome than having four guitars is this awesome. And it was kind of just this, let's just add it in. It's going to make it like big and then bigger. Right. And like looking back, I'm like, this was just chaos. Like this wasn't good. And, and learning how to make that switch where a mix is, 
is like only at 100%. And so whatever you mm -hmm. do and whatever instruments you add, take up a chunk of that, that percentage. Right. It's not like I'm going to add this and add this and add this because each contribution gets that much smaller in that mix. Right. Like that was a totally. big lesson for me to learn. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. One of the most difficult things that I've found, especially in recent days, because I've been producing a lot of singer songwriters, um, is like when you have a giant like heavy metal mix or a giant EDM mix, you yeah. know, there's so many elements. You can kind of fudge some of the elements and they don't have to sound incredible for them to work in the mix. Mm -hmm. But when it's an acoustic guitar and a vocal, you have to get both of those extreme like you have to you have to do the job right or else it's gonna it's mm -hmm. you're gonna hear that reflected in the music and it's gonna suffer because of that yeah um so like it's almost like the bigger mixes are easier yeah bigger yeah because at that point like not to dumb it down or anything but it's like high pass everything mm -hmm. so that you know things aren't getting in the way of the bass and right. the kick drum and then make sure that it's not making your ears bleed like that's right that's about it <laughs> right. and make sure it's not mono uh, you know unless you're into that sort of thing but like you know that that's it. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's much simpler to do a, a large mix to make it sound big. You know when you've got these massive instruments like super distorted electric guitars and a massive kick drum, it's not super easy to make a mix sound full or you know full and warm and uh, more importantly to me nowadays is dynamic and spacious mm -hmm. uh, when it's just a very you know small amount of instruments yeah also in production world like the more sparse instrumentation is the more intentional it has to be yeah you know like if you have an, a singer songwriter and an acoustic guitar then inputting a piano somewhere is going to make a way larger difference than if you've got a full rock band and you know a piano starts playing halfway through right it adds very little to the dynamic of that mm -hmm. but when you when you have such a small amount yeah uh, of sounds at your disposal Every small thing just yeah is exponentially um, just exponentially adjusts the the character of the entire song. Yeah, I have been really getting into the less is more style of producing and mm -hmm. and, and music. Probably because most of my clients right now are like singer songwriters like right. you. Yep. And it's like how can I how can I do something that uh, like create a song that is true to the artist. And creating a sound that that actually reflects the um, the lyrics and the the topic and the tone that they're going for, right? Um, because a lot of times the singer songwriters they don't have an idea of a full production for a song. They just totally like they have a demo essentially, right? And so you're trying to build something that that really reflects that well, but then also like how can I make something that sounds different and creative, but is like <clears throat> uber intentional with every space, every totally. moment? Yeah. And I've learned to like I hate now like looping something even if it's just on principle like if i'm mm. if i programmed like a midi key line or something and i'm like i'm playing the same thing here it like always hurts me a little bit to just be like copy paste like i'm like <laughs> i want to record this it's just going to be like a little different yeah but yeah a lot of the stuff that i, I i'd agree with that i think that that copying pasting it, it depends on the genre of course like a big pop record i heavily enforce copy paste just because right. you want that consistency yeah but for something like a small acoustic record it's like nope you're you're not gonna you're gonna play through the entire song right like and you're gonna sing the entire song we're not gonna copy over like some sometimes i would copy over the chorus 
of yeah. a song. Like for a vocal, I think that consistency in the vocal is important. Mm -hmm. uh, it depends on how strong the vocal performance is too. That's if true. it's like I have to pull teeth to get a single decent chorus out of them. And a lot of times you're like layering other melodies or vocals right. into the chorus yeah, at different totally. times so it, mm -hmm. you can get away with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I think that I think the less is more approach is really, really crucial. And, and you see it more and more with large producers or large artists like Lauv and like, uh, you know, any person that Phineas really produces. Uh, I mean, obviously, Billie Eilish is like the queen nowadays. Like, she, she's everywhere. So, but like <laughs> everything that Phineas does with her is like, it's always so sparse. Mm -hmm. um, like, even like I was telling you earlier, I have your power stuck in my head. And that's literally like two acoustic guitars and then like a f something in the low end that's like a kick drum, but I can't tell what it is because it's so low that it's it's almost like it's almost like he just like hit the mic a few times and he was mm -hmm. like, let's sample that. And <laughs> and that's what that's what it is. I've literally done that kind of thing before. Yeah. Though. And yeah. it works. And it works. It's right. fine. It's great. But like, yeah, doing that really sparse thing, you know, you notice when new things happen mm -hmm. in like any of Lauv's stuff or any of uh, Billy's stuff. And so. It's yeah. cool. It's and it's cool to to try to replicate that, but it is very difficult. Oh yeah, it's very difficult. And it's funny because I think it's easy to think it's easier, right? You're not recording as many tracks. It's like in a, the the songs that you hear that are, are an acoustic guitar and a vocal. Yep. You're like, oh, that was kind of a waste of studio time, right? There's there's this temptation to think that you sometimes you want to pull your your hair out. This like the the intricacy of how can we make this perfect? Right. Um, that's yep. tough. It is. It's very difficult and. Um, it's it's more difficult to have a vision going in. Like, as a producer, I like like it's very difficult for me to start on anything mm -hmm. without having like not just a vision of where I want it to go, but like action steps to to get there. Yeah. Like I've started. I've I've heard demos before, and I and I say this is where I want to take it, and I have the vision, but I don't even have the I don't have action steps yet. Mm -hmm. And so the project has actually flubbed because. Uh, I'm, I'm just like, I'm in the middle of a production that I had a vision for, but then I didn't take the correct steps to get where I wanted. And so yeah. now I'm in this weird in between where it's like, this kind of sounds good, but it's not what I was thinking about, but it's not the demo anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's Being like a producer the, is rough. That's interesting because the importance of planning, right? I have had so many times, and I haven't really thought ahead to, to plan as much as I probably should, sure. but in these times especially, I had an idea, I heard the demo, and I'm like, this is what we could get it to sound like, let's do that. Right. And because I didn't really flesh it out and plan it properly, I was just like, let's just go at it, and I just tried a couple like mm -hmm. MIDI sounds and things like this, and I was like, yeah. this is working great. I reached a like a dead end and it was like a brick wall dead end. Yep. Like halfway like, through and I was like I put hours into this. Yeah. And you're yeah, that's the thing is like when you just start chucking stuff in you're like oh it could use a little bit of salt, it could use some pepper, it could use some <laughs> paprika and then at the end you've just got like this nasty concoction that you're like oh shoot, now I have to like like I've restarted projects before, you know. Sometimes you've just got to restart or oh, yeah. it, you know in the case of music obviously you just you like I've cut like mm -hmm. tons of tracks, you yep. know? Um, I literally had a song uh, that I'm still working on. It's almost done, but I like cut it all and started over, I think three or four times. Yeah. 
And yeah, totally. like over the course of like seven months or something. Yeah. And I thought like in January was the last time I had like tried to do this again mm -hmm. and I reached a dead end again. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm gonna do with this song. Yep. And then I randomly had like a moment of inspiration and I put like 15 hours over a weekend yep. into this song That's what and happens. Yeah. got it like 95% done. And I'm like, we've got a song. Finally, and, right? Yeah, and the client, like, because she had heard the song as well, like, in all of the processes, mm -hmm. and I was like, you know, I'm not going to show her anything until I have it, like, virtually done. Right. And then I sent it to her, and, like, it just blew her away. And I was like, yeah. that is cool. Yeah. That That's how you know that, like, you're on the right track. Totally. Yeah. I'm actually, I mean, I'm in the middle of a, producing a song, too, and this song has been in the production chain for months now. Like, mm -hmm. I think we started last summer. So mm. it's been almost a year since we started tracking it, and I've just spent, I've literally spent weeks just spending time on this song. Yeah. Um, and I actually had a hard drive crash earlier this year, which kind of sucks because I lost some of my work on it. But, like, in a sense, I actually think it was a good thing because I was, again, getting lost in all of that detail. Yeah. It's a very pop-heavy, you know, it's a very pop song. Um, it's very sparse. Um in a cool way, but there were just too many elements being added. So I need to strip it back again and go with more consistent elements across the entire piece mm -hmm. that um, give the song a little bit more fluidity. Like right now, it's just like the verse feels different from the chorus, yeah. which feels different from verse two. Mm -hmm. So I just, I need to string more, more like sounds together and make yeah. it feel more cohesive. So. That's what's interesting with working with uh, independent artists instead of a band. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I don't think I caught on to this at first, but when you're just sitting down and creating a song in a chair mm -hmm. at, like a, at a DAW instead of having a band come in, trying to figure out something that sounds fluid is really hard because in your mind, you're just like, I'm gonna throw this in here in the chorus that wasn't in the verse and hope it works and right. then listen totally. back. And it really just feels like a crapshoot as to whether yeah. or not it works or not. Yeah. Whereas like with a band, you know, they, they've been practicing their songs. They've kind of produced their own mm -hmm. sound a lot. And as a producer, you're just giving them direction. Right. Yeah. And so there's this cohesiveness mm -hmm. that usually, not always, but usually just flows through the yeah. song. And the cool thing about a band too is like when you have a band, they have their specific set of sounds, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have a limited, like you've got guitar sounds and you've got a bass sound and you've got drum sound and you've got keys sounds. And if they have a saxophone player or a trumpet player or whatever, that's that's in there too. Like right. you, you have four or five sounds. Yeah, That's great. When you're doing EDM music production, you can have an unlimited amount of sounds. I mean, there's mm -hmm. sound design where you're taking vocal chops, there's, you know, large pads, drones, you know, analog instruments. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can add a guitars, you know, all of your standard acoustic instruments. Like, you can do whatever you want. You've got mm -hmm. distortion to play with, you've got all sorts of filtering. And that's what I think cripples me a little bit when I approach pop music is like, there is so much choice mm -hmm. that it's hard to get that consistency. Yeah, I think, I think of like photography and like photographers that have, you go to their Instagram and you see there's really specifically a style that runs through everything. And you can look through and you may not be able to say what it is, but you're like, I see this like right. consistency through here. Yep. And I feel like the struggle for a producer, especially with like independent artists and singer songwriters uh, types is trying to go in and create something that 
kind of doesn't have your signature anymore, but you're figuring out what their signature right. is. You know, yeah, that's tricky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's putting yourself in someone else's shoes for an entire album yeah. or, you know, demo or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I think that um, just to like go back on what I said before, it's it's so much more difficult when you have an unlimited selection mm -hmm. of sounds. Yeah. Like when you're dealing with a band, you've got electric guitar, bass, keys, you know, what other auxiliary instruments you might have. Yeah. When you're a producer for pop, I mean, they're literally just doing everything. You know, yeah. you can you can have vocal chops, you can have uh, you know sirens, you can have 808s, you can have acoustic bass, you can have, you know, uh, what what are those uh, like party synth? What are those called? Like the party synths? I forget. You know what I'm talking about? Like like the big like the big full ones. Yeah. That are like mm -hmm. semi out of tune. Yeah. Like you hear those all. You can have the wub wub. You can have like. <laughs> yeah. You know you can do whatever you want. You can make it sparse. You can make it full. You can make it aggressive. You can make it soft. And yeah. so like, when you're producing a, a band that already has their sound, you're just tweaking that, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're helping them. You're, when you're producing them, you're helping rewrite the song. You're helping rewrite a melody so that it fits better, or rewrite a, a lyric that that isn't quite as good. But when you're producing pop, you're doing that, all of that, and then you're also saying, okay, you know, I have to select from an infinite amount of sounds at my disposal yeah. and choose like maybe five to a hundred thousand of those song sounds to go in this song right know, at a specific time at yeah. a specific point it's like i've definitely felt that it's more challenging working with an independent artist but i'm kind of always up for the challenge like let me create something that's different yeah than i've done yeah. before but like when they hear it they're like oh my gosh this is me yeah like that's that just like jazzes me i'm like i'm excited for that mm -hmm. um so like we'll start the process and i'm like all right send me some some songs that that you really connect with and i just listen to those right. artists for a little bit and i'm like totally. okay mm -hmm. this is what they're doing this is the vibe and like i don't know that whole process it's a lot more work but i love it yeah yeah it, it's a ton of work um it's really exciting for me on the front end Mm -hmm. um, to say like, oh yeah, this, this is an awesome vision. Like I want to work with you in it. Um, and sometimes, you know, for, you know, if you're a really good producer or you just happen to get lucky, mm -hmm. you know, you can vibe with that person right off the bat. Um, more times than not though, I feel like it's kind of a struggle in the beginning mm -hmm. or even through the entire record to, to figure out that sound. Yeah. Have you had experiences with that? Yeah, I, I think creating something cohesive is always like is always a little bit of a struggle. I feel sure. like the times I've had a song that just lands and I don't run into a moment where I'm like, this just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It feels like a fluke. It feels like I just yeah. stumbled into something great. Yep. And I'm like, I don't in that moment I'm like, I don't know why this is working, but I don't want to do anything else because I'm gonna ruin it. Yes. Um that there was a song that I recorded that it was just for a personal song and looking back the production was decent at best but right. but like the composition it was literally just an acoustic guitar uh like a kick and clap sound and a bass but the totally. bass wasn't even really low at all so it was almost undetectable nice. so there was very little happening but it just worked and it just mm -hmm. stayed the same way through the whole song because I was like you know what the, the tone of the song it just needs to stay there yeah then there were times looking back I'm like oh what if I had put some harmonies because I just did a single vocal right but I 
I'm pretty confident if I tried to do more things, I would have ruined it. There was something mm -hmm. special that I found, but I feel like I just stumbled into it. Yeah. I think that's how I, I often feel about my own music is like, I very rarely, like when I want to do a writing session, I very rarely sit down with a vision. Mm -hmm. I feel like most of my music and I would even, you know, sorry from to my clients, but most of the music that I produce for my clients is just from me sitting down with their demo, listening to it, and then just like, you know, what we talked about earlier, you're just throwing stuff at a canvas, almost hoping that it sticks, hoping that the mm -hmm. paint makes sense, right? Yeah. But then you start stripping it back and mm -hmm. whittling away at that, and that's where you get your, you know, where I get my final products very often. Yeah. There was a... There was a masterclass advertisement that I saw for a producer. I don't remember who it was, um, but I just saw the the ad for the masterclass. But there's this technique that he talked about that he did, and I've only tried it a couple times. I want to do it more. Um, but when I did use it, it completely changed the the quality of the the production of the track. Not so much mm. the technical mixing, but just how well everything worked together. Sure. And that was when he starts with a song. He, he sits down just with a mic and he mimics every sound he's hearing hmm. with his mouth. So like if he's hearing a sound, he'll, you know, create the beat. He'll just do a little beatboxing and then he'll think of what, what do I want the bass yeah. to do? What do I want this melody to do? And he creates this, this soundscape with just sounds he's made with his mouth so he doesn't lose it in that moment. Mm. And then he goes back and he... Like uses writes that. over it. Right, he writes over it. That's and he cool. uses that as like a reference. Hmm. And I use that on a couple things and that's cool. the things that I've used it on yeah it I came out of it being like this is so good hmm. and it just all works because I think we start mm. with that idea that first initial totally. thought of I hear this yep and as it much of get, that it can get lost in a moment so quick and so like as much of that as you can capture in that moment the better that it's totally. going to be because that's that that's the same fresh ears that other people are going to listen yeah. with right mm -hmm. so whatever you can you can create in that first time you're hearing the song is most likely going to be what's going to stick the best because it's going to be that reaction you have is going to be the reaction right. that you can create in other people. Totally. Yeah, I've um, like on the opposite side of that, I've even had it where I have a melody in mind and as I'm trying to track it, it'll change midway through. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how, like, that. I'm sure that's happened to you as well, but I'll literally be working on something that I thought was great and then I will pause to fix something else or to, you know, turn the bass down in my ears or whatever. Yeah. And then I'll go back to it and I'll be like, um, I completely forgot mm -hmm. the melody or I completely forgot the rhythm that I was going with. Right. Um, and the, and then the other thing on top of that is like, or even like when you're, when you're trying to come up with it and then, um, you know, it's not the sound that you want. So mm -hmm. you're like, well, obviously this, it's the sound, it's not the melody. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I, I run into that problem too often where I'm like, it's the sound. It's it's not the actual writing. It's the synth that I'm using. When in reality, it's just a bad melody. You know. Mm, yeah. Have you ever uh, kind of followed a, a train where you you're building the song? You started with the demo. You come up with some ideas. You start tracking it. You start you know trying to chop it up, add some things, and you go back to the demo, and you feel like what was there was just so much more fresh than what you're working with right now. And it's almost like you get re-inspired. Yeah. Ever had that happen? I. The way that I write music is actually I I bypass the demo phase completely. Hmm. Um, I because I'm personally not a singer songwriter. Yeah. Uh, style like I, um, I write heavy metal still, and I write like 
um, I do beats and stuff like that. And so like, yeah. I never think of my music as reaching a demo stage. Like, I guess I could consider the demo stage where guitars and bass are tracked and drums are programmed because I obviously don't have room for a drum set in my tiny apartment. Um, <laughs> really? No, yeah, no. <laughs> and also the neighbors would hate it. But like when, when I get to that stage, you could consider it a demo, but there's always less energy because I'm generally writing as I'm learning the mm. song that I'm writing. So yeah. um, in my head, when I track the thing for real, and I get it very, you know, and I, and I practice my parts and I get everything to the place where it sounds, I very rarely look back on the demo and go, that was not what I envisioned. Mm -hmm. You know, this has, the, the, the final product always has more energy, always has more um, smoothness, more, more rhythmic elements, um, but that's just a product of the way that I write. Sure. When I'm dealing with a client, though, I've definitely listened to de their demos, and I go, honestly, like, why are you making me produce this? Like, I would rather have you just release this demo hmm. because it's just, like, um, I had a client. Um, her name was uh, Julie Marie on Spotify, uh, title, you know, anywhere. Um, should check her out. She does very, like, natured in nature inspired stuff so like she'll talk about like trees and and, mm -hmm. and nature and um she's got an album that's coming out um i think that she's aiming for sometime this fall mm -hmm. um and her vision is is fantastic with it and i've listened to through her demos and i just go honestly there there really isn't much that i can do um, that she isn't already doing in the demos. Yeah. Um, what I would rather do, rather than make that music like perfect and 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 flawless, is I want her voice to come out. I want her guitar to come out. I want it to sound like she's singing on a couch in mm -hmm. her living room to her family, <laughs> you know, yeah. to her like her husband and her parents, like that sort of vibe. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's what that is about. You know, yeah. that's. That's her music. And so um, I know that she is tracking that project herself right now. Mm -hmm. um, I've actually talked to her about coming into the studio because she goes to my church. Oh, really? really? Yeah. Wow. That's dope. We I actually might. also think we should have her on the podcast. Oh, that'd be cool. But we, you're uh, talking Betcher, right? Yeah. Yep. Sweet. We, uh, we might steal Andy. her from you. <laughs> What's that? I said we might steal her from you. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Um, no, she's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so she's like, she's just got such an awesome sound, mm -hmm. and you know, honestly, there were there were uh, I've worked with her before, and I produced um, some of her last stuff. Yeah, um, and even that one, like, that's what I was trying to emulate. You know, having her sit on a a couch, play guitar, and even that, like, like we were talking about the smallest details matter. Like, I just yeah. felt like there was way too much compression in mm. the work that I did before with her and so that even just pulled me outside of that yeah there was not enough dynamic um and of course i've grown a lot since um we worked uh together it's been a couple of years now um but that's just that's another example of like you just you really have to make sure that the vibe is working for that artist make yeah. them unique make them special in many cases the thing that makes the artist special is their voice mm -hmm. you know you don't need to throw in a bunch of stuff to make the music special you just let the artist be the artist 
Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a trap that I get caught in all the time as a producer. Mm, yeah. And that's interesting because that's where you step into the world of like beyond music and into like art. Yeah. Right. And, totally. the, and the idea is this is bigger than let's make something that sounds good, especially mm -hmm. since it's safe to say neither one of us are producers that are in the world of let's make the next like hit single. No, absolutely you know, not. it's it's not what sells. It's what honors the music. Yeah. And totally. sometimes those are the same thing, mm -hmm. but a lot of times they are not. Right. And it's cool to think, you know, what one person might hear as, oh, they just got lazy and put a mic in a room. We're mm -hmm. like, no, this is truer to the music and to the person. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do to honor it. Yeah. Like there's totally. just something beautiful about that. Uh, mm -hmm. And that shows intentionality beyond just the sound. Yeah. 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 I, I've gotten caught in the trap too many times. Honestly, that's the biggest killer of my own personal projects is it, it needs to sound perfect. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a great guitar player and I'm a really good producer when it comes and, and a good writer when it comes to the music that I write. Yeah. Like I think I'm very good at it. But the thing that gets me at all times is, oh, it's not good enough. There's not an element here. There's, you know, that guitar section isn't tight enough. Like the mix isn't glued enough. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's no way to tell when you're like ending a project, right? Yeah. The only end that you can definitively give a project is when you're like, okay, my hands are off. Like I, I don't like the way certain parts sound, but I'm gonna move on with my life. Like I'm gonna release it. If people enjoy it, that's great. If they don't, that's fine too. Mm -hmm. Or it ends yeah. when they run out of money. <laughs> yes. Or or when you run out of money. If if you, if you're working at a studio and they and they sap you dry, which, you know, you know, that. which is our goal as a studio, <laughs> really, honestly. Yeah. 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 No, that's not true. It's not at that's all true. That's not. That's, that's not, not true. Not true. <laughs> but uh, as a home as a home studio recording artist, um, you know. The most important thing is just to enjoy it. Like, mm -hmm. um, I've been in a creative slump for probably two or three years with my own personal music, mm -hmm. and in those moments, I've, I in the in this time, I found pockets of time where I feel creative energy, and so I will go for months without writing a song, mm -hmm. and then sometimes within these months, I'll I'll get a song out in two days, mm -hmm. um, and I released one last year. Um, and that was a two day, uh, writing, uh, recording. And then I spent about a week mixing it and now it's on Spotify. Yeah. Um, other songs, you know, I've been working on since the beginning of the year. Like I've got a song that I'm on mix 15 with, and it doesn't even have vocals yet and it yep. needs vocals very badly. Yeah. Uh, but that song is like, I, it's, it sounds great. I'm working on making the instruments tighter making them sound better, wider, fuller, all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but like I'm doing that in the midst of my creative slump. So like it's difficult, but it's also um, really good when I find, you know, even even a 1% improvement in there. Yeah. Because that's, you know, that's what music is. It's all about calibrating the difference between a finished project and a perfect project. Yeah. Right? Like if it's a perfect project, then it's probably not art mm. in a sense, right? Because art is never perfect. Um, art always has its flaws, which is why it's art. You know, it's, yeah. it's human. Yeah. And human nature is in itself not perfect. So yeah. calibrating that like, okay, it's not perfect, but it's done mm -hmm. sort of mentality is, is huge for 
you know, just producing things, just writing music, having fun with it. Yeah. Um, writing music has been one of the greatest joys in my life, and it's also been one of the greatest stressors and one of the my greatest reasons for depression and anxiety mm. um, when I don't feel like I'm living up to my own standard. Yeah. And you just, you know, if you don't want to write music, you don't do it. If you're going to kill yourself, why are you writing music? Don't feel like you have to. If you want to, do it as much as you can, right? Because mm. you're feeling it. Yeah. Do it when you're feeling it. Don't do it when you're not feeling it. It's in an artist's nature to be kind of bipolar in that sense. Like, I I don't think I know an artist that hasn't had, you know, a few weeks, few months, maybe even a few years of just burnout. Yeah. And they're just down about it, right? That's, like, that's the nature of creative work. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a battle, you know? Right. And, um, and it's a lot about hating your own work. Like, a lot of artists that I talk to, they're like, they're proud of some of their stuff, but other stuff that I actually like of theirs, they're like, no, I, I hate that. Yeah. But they released it, and that's the point. Other people can see it as beautiful. And I think that's why creative people need each other. Yeah. Right? Because people can see things and beauty in the flaws that we just see as flaws. Mm-hmm. I think that's something really special. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're, like, out of time. But I before we quit, I just wanted to affirm some things in you, like, um, oh, thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate uh, it. <laughs> creative slumps happen, and uh, oh yeah. But but I know you well. Uh, you're you're gonna get out of it. And um, the cool thing about creative slumps is when you come out of it, you usually have um, creativity birthed out of the story of the slump. Yep. And so it's it's the highs and lows that's the journey of life. Yep. And and you're gonna get it. Funny but. enough. I, I'm I'm really trying to start a project that's based around me not having creativity. Mm-hmm. But the irony of that is that I don't have any creativity to start that project. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned. The new song will be coming out about me not having creativity, but I don't I haven't created it yet because like I'm excited. Don't, don't have that creativity to start it right now. It'll be there in time. Yeah, it'll be there in time. Yeah. All right, well, thank you for, for coming on the show. I enjoy it. Uh, I'm enjoying talking with you always. Always. Yeah. And for Instagram us. handles, all that stuff. Where can people reach you? Oh, yeah. Where can people reach you? Gosh, that's a, that's a great question. So I have, I, I'm very bad with uh, social media, um, but I do post things um, when they happen. Like, as I said, um, I'm very far and uh, far in between my creative pro- projects. Um, and I don't have a lot of filler in between that just because I want to save all of my um, creativity and all my posts for things that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, you can you can follow me at Nathan Arthur, Nathan Arthur Music, which is my music page. Mm-hmm. Nathan Arthur Production, which is my uh, producer's page. Um, both of those are on Facebook. And then on... Instagram, I'm at at Nathan Arthur Production and at Nathan Arthur Photo. Very nice. So sweet. All right. Well, thanks again, Nathaniel. And I will be talking to you sometime again. Sometime. Yeah. It's been great. Okay. Bye. Cheers. Product placement.